Hey, hey, what's up? So, you know what it is. Um, archive of our own. Of course, in incognito mode, because what other mode would we use? Um, uh, no way we're putting this on main. Um, because on this website, uh, anything can happen. You know, dreams really do come true, and... Sometimes those dreams are not good. <laughs> so, our random letter of the day or night or whatever. Why do I say? Why do I specify day or night? It doesn't fucking matter. Um, sorry, it's P. It's P. So, let's go to our fandoms, TV shows... P. We have a good chunk of results here for P. It seems like there are a lot. Um, just, uh, just glancing here, it looks like some people have written fanfiction for the show Punked. Uh, it's one, it's only one result, but it's there. So there's that. Um, but we are going to randomly scroll through this. Um, Petticoat Junction <laughs> only has two results, so that won't work. Let's try again. Let's try again. Pitch TV 2016, 795 results. That is more like it. Let's see what in the world is Pitch. Pitch TV. Right. Um, this is a drama. Talented baseball pitcher Ginny Baker immediately rises to fame when she is called up by the San Diego Padres and becomes the first woman in Major League Baseball. She immediately sets in on the task of proving herself to her teammates, starting with team captain and catcher Mike Lawson. The two share an immediate chemistry, putting Mike in the middle of tensions between the beautiful new player and certain teammates who won't appreciate a woman out on the mound. Now, or not, not all of her follow, all of her fellow Padres are so averse to change, with center fielder Blip Sanders providing support through her journey. This first aired September 22nd of 2016 and the final episode uh, also ended in 2016. Um, this this is a part of the Fox network. So, yeah. Let's, uh, you know, I hate, I hate that it's another another sports universe that we're going into, but you know, let me just filter out these results so that it's English and all that good stuff, and I'll be right back. So, all I did was um, sort it by English stories, and we have 40 pages of results. Um, this is, we, we did not exclude any that have crossovers. Um, we did not exclude any that are more than one chapter, and we most certainly did not exclude 
ones that might be um, mature. So uh, we we tread lightly here. So one out of 40, we get 28 on our random number generator. So we're gonna go to page 28. So now here we are on page 28. Uh, let's read what we got here. Just Give Me a Call by SquiddlyWidly87. Prompt from Tumblr. Instead of Guinea calling Amelia, she calls Mike. Amelia and Mike are not a thing. He comes and calms her down, and then... Um, winky face. Tension by Magic in Her Madness. Uh, a fleeting curiosity quickly becomes a persistent problem for Ginny. Luckily, Mike is willing to help her out. Calls and Consequences by Anna Lies Grace post um, season 1 episode 9 alternative universe where Mike didn't take the call. It's smut nothing but. Great. Poster Boy by Nathy Bozo Inspired by the I'm sorry your poster boy let you down line in uh, season one, episode nine, for Amira or Guinea's pitch for giving me the idea. Just Once More by Professor Tennant. Um, Ginny and Mike do kiss before his phone rings. They promise themselves it's a one-time thing and won't happen again, except no one tells Ginny Baker no. Brawling Baker by Red Blazer. The hockey alternative universe, literally no one asked for, starring Ginny Baker, the center who cannot stop getting in fights, Mike Lawson, the tired goalie who keeps having to haul his body across the ice to make sure Ginny keeps all her teeth in her head, and Blip who is there for support. Another kangaroo court by Magic in Her Madness, the Padres hold another kangaroo court during a rain delay. Mike and Ginny are brought up on some interesting changes. Seventh Inning Stretch by Moni Mala. Italics, he loves that little catch in her voice, that gasp that tells him he found the right spot. It's a perfect moment. Um, that's a fan video, meaning it's it's not actually a, um, sorry, this next, this next result, love such a delicate thing we do, is a fan video, meaning it's just a video, there's no fan fiction, so we're going to exclude that result. No Trade Clause by Gold CN. Mike looked at her for a few moments. This was more than lust. This was something unspoken between them since she walked into the Padres baseball stadium. This was more than the tension between the pair since he smacked her ass the first time. DiCaprio should be jealous. Boston Lemon. Of course, by Nathy Bozo, Mike and Ginny are getting married and he shaves his beard. Only Gonna Do You Wrong by Lady in Red. Mike tries to convince himself he's made the right decision after giving Oscar permission to talk to the Cubs about a trade. 
Don't go by humdrum bum rush. The early morning after their first time. They speak of my drinking, but never think of my thirst. Ginny keeps one eye on Mike as he sips from the glass of whiskey, desperately trying not to choke at the taste, and waits until he opens his eyes. So what are we celebrating? There's a beat, a second, where she can almost literally see the wheels turning in his mind as he makes a decision about what he's going to say. His gaze drops from where he's been glaring at the wall in front of them down to his glass. Glass. I'm leaving, he says. Or canon divergence after season 1, episode 8, ignoring the promo for season 1, episode 9, but keeping some of the visual themes. For this Tumblr prompt, Mike gets stupid drunk and confesses to a concerned Ginny, God, you're beautiful. Did you see the news last night by Psalms? A little thing because of the tags on this post from Mindy Kelling over on Tumblr. Oh, Reckless Abandon, again by Psalms. Prompt from Tumblr, Single Parent Mike, Alternative Universe. Funny How Everything Can Change by Cinder Lily. Mike never really wanted kids, then Ginny came along. AKA Gratuitous Baby Fick is Gratuitous. Figuring It Out by Potter Castle Mines. Ginny confronts Amelia about everything. Now everything, i.e. how she really feels, is on the table. AKA a scene that really that I really want to happen on the show, but sadly probably never will. Late night slash early mornings by Too Shy the Shippy. Ginny wasn't just his pitcher, just his teammate, or just his legacy. She was his friend. His best friend. And she wasn't just that either. I don't know who's going to kiss you when I'm gone, so I'm going to love you now. By magic in her madness, Mike asked Ginny to dinner to break the news. The evening doesn't go as he expects. Okay. So let's go to the top, and we're going to pick our random number, which is 16. So the 16th one is... It is... um. Oh, Reckless Abandon by Psalms. And you'll be able to take a sigh of relief that this rating is for general audiences. Um, the category is F slash M, and we're purely sticking to our pitch fandom here. So, here we go. Ava was one and a half when Rachel got sick, just barely starting to talk in a somewhat coherent matter, walking around like she owned the place. She didn't understand why all of a sudden she was forced to walk down sterile hallway instead of across perfectly manicured grass on their free time. Mike spent a lot of time on the down on the DL that season. Um more than he would have liked, but Rachel needed him. Ava needed him. Even if the team needed him, family came first, and he'd be damned if he left his wife or his daughter when they needed him most. Ava was three when Rachel passed away. They had thought she was in the clear 
she had been feeling well enough to spend more time at home. She had gone through a round of chemo, had gone into remission, a lot of weight had lifted off of them, and things started to feel normal once again. Until one misread x-ray turned out to be the difference between his wife being there, smiling by his side, as they watched their little girl grow up, and watching as the love of his life was lowered into the ground. Mike barely missed a game that season. Evelyn was a huge help during games. She'd watch Ava, having her sit with him with the boys, or just watching her up in the suite, cheering on Blip and Mike respectively. She owed her endless favor he owed her endless favors, which she kept promising to cash in on, but the soft look behind her eyes told him otherwise. He didn't have some big meltdown. There had been no drunken nights, no sobbing breakdowns in the dugout. If anything, he'd had one of his biggest seasons that he'd had in ages. His battling his batting average was out of control. He hit five more home runs that than his previous season high. Mike was a man on a mission. That's what the analysts like to say. He had nothing to prove. That was their first mistake. All he had was a hollow emptiness he tried to fill with baseball, which could be filled for brief moments when his teammates slapped him on the back. Despite his heroic efforts, they still fell short and missed the playoffs again. All too soon, it was just Ava and himself in the big empty house that seemed so much bigger now without Rachel inside of it. He tried his best to do all the daddy-daughter events he could, taking her to mommy and me groups, much to the woo, much to the delight of many of the other moms, and taking her to as many fun little kid things as possible. God bless Disney was a constant through though though that ran through his mind thought that ran through his mind both their theme park and movies provided excellent distractions for both of them when it got particularly tough the first anniversary of rachel's death was when he finally had his big breakdown after yet another year where they missed the playoffs a year where he hadn't been quite as stellar and talks about the end of his career replaced that of his outstanding work buzzed across sports stations he had called Blip up, asking for yet another favor, to see if they could take Ava for a couple of hours, just so he could take some time to breathe. Instead, he spent the time, the full time sobbing. He felt broken. Time was supposed to heal wounds, but that night it felt fresher than ever. He missed her. Deep down to his very bones, there was this ache for her that would never be cured. She was gone, and even though he had had a year to come to terms with that, he had shoved the feelings aside and ignored it. He'd lived for Ava, for his team, for the moment, never letting his thoughts drift behind or beyond what he had to do tomorrow. Now, though, now, though, now he was ripped in the grief that had been so that had been left to stew for a year. It ate at him, his body racked with loud, broken sobs. Slowly, he composed himself, his breathing calmed, and his body stilled. He had to get Ava, he had to get her to bed, and he had to get ready to face the world again tomorrow. He caught a look at himself in the mirror. No wonder they thought he was towards the end of his career. He looked haggard, something that the crying he was sure didn't help. Mike ran a hand over his face. 
shutting his eyes for a brief moment before grabbing his keys and driving to pick up Ava. He had called Blip from the road, and by the time he was parking, his little girl was bolting full speed right at him. He crouched, knees popping and creaking in slight disapproval, and scooped her up and wrapped her into a tight hug. The squeal of joy that she let out as he spun her gently around stopped the pain for a moment. He held her up, beaming at her for the briefest of moments before sitting her back, setting her back down to go thank Evelyn and Blip in person. The hugs he got from each of them respectively helped too. The promises that she was a delight and they'd take her any time he needed. It was the usual lines, but Mike appreciated hearing them all the same. The ride home was spent loudly singing along to the Mulan soundtrack, both of them smiling and laughing easily. It was easy to forget he had been curling up on the couch clutching one of the the few things of Rachel's he'd actually let remain in the house, only a short while earlier. They had breakfast for dinner, pancakes drizzled with real maple syrup, sausages cooked with apple slices for just that right balance of salty and sweet, and scrambled eggs to finish it off. They plop down on the couch, mess to be damned, and pop on some cartoon movie that she was crazy about. She fell asleep, sticky face stuck to her shirt before the end of the movie. Mike sat there for just a while, just listening to the only other thing of Rachel he had left. Her breathing was easy, she seemed so at peace with the world. After a few more moments, he carried her first to the kitchen to gently wipe her face before bringing her upstairs. After carefully tucking her into her bed and making sure a nightlight was on, stuffed animals close at hand, he shut her door and went downstairs to clean up, trying to push the meltdown he had had mere hours before from his mind and instead focus on what he had to do tomorrow. That was the best way to handle it. Bottle it up and toss it away. He'd deal with it again next year, maybe, if the ache of missing Rachel hadn't begun to fade away. Ava was five. In the fall, she'd be starting school when Tommy Miller got hurt. It had been a wild pitch, or at least that's what the pitcher claimed, but Tommy dropped like a sack of potatoes, clutching his hand all the same. The whole team was tense, ready to jump out and go make sure that whoever hit Hurt their their boy got their just desserts, but sharp but but sharp look from Al, Al. Before he and a trainer went out was enough for Mike, to turn and shake his head to the team. They'd die on that hill another day, but for now there was a gap in the rotation that was more than likely going to need filling if he had to go by the look on Al and the trainer's faces. One name seemed to quickly rise to the top of the list, Ginny Baker. Everyone knew about Baker. She was some young phenomenon who had a nasty screwball, but no real heat to back it up. Mike wouldn't ever admit to it, but he had caught some of her games on the TV, and she wasn't half bad. That didn't mean he wanted her on his team. Even the buzz was creating attention in the clubhouse that he could not abide. It would all blow over. Maybe it was just a bad bruise, and Tommy would miss a start, something that wouldn't require another arm being brought up. Or, if they did need someone else, who was to say it would be Baker? When the, when the diagnosis on Tommy's hand dropped, the news, and the news that he'd been out for the last 
for at least a month. That was when the rumors really picked up with Gusto. Mike still didn't believe it until he showed up for showed up to to work out one day and saw people scrambling around the locker room trying to figure out where they were going to put Ginny Baker. Okay. 16 comments. Elegant elegance stupidity. Oh no. What are you doing to me here? Can't wait to see what you've got planned. Author responds, hopefully wringing your heart in the best way possible. I'll probably post the next chunk in a couple of days, so see you then. Monk Shoe, shoe Doctor. Oh no, protect them. This is a great setup. I love seeing Mike try his best to be a great dad and work hard on baseball, even though he's hurting so badly. Also, I love the support from Evelyn and Blip. I think that they're potentially... I think their potential for an Evelyn slash Mike friendship is amazing. Bring on the angst. I'll settle in. Um, author responds, Look, I think that the team as a whole are just one big family, but Mike and Blip are clearly best buds, and I could just see Blip and Evelyn having talks about helping him out after Rachel dies because the devastation is written across his face. They talk about what they'd do if they lost the, the other one and how Mike would step up to help them. I'm emotional about it. Missy River says, I got my on-way ticket, and I'm getting on this angst slow burn train. This was a fantastic first chapter for all the hugging and snuggling I wanted to give Mike and Ava. Um, Ginny's smile, Ginny's, Ginny's Mike's? Thanks, or sorry, yes, thank you for doing this. I could actually imagine Mike being a single dad. Please continue. Uh, dynamic ideation says, Jesus, God, fuck me up. Song, or, um, and then um, the author responds, welcome to the angst train, toots whistle. And then dynamic ideation um, responds, oops, here I am. Leaving another comment, seriously, you pack so much emotion into less than uh, 1,500 words. You brought me right down into Mike's mourning process, and I felt it when he was bawling with a vengeance, trying to keep himself distracted, and when he finally broke down, you painted a vivid picture of him as a dad and of the confusion Ava must have felt being constantly in hospitals as her mother was dying. Evelyn and Blip, as the ever-supportive friends and family, I mean, damn, it's like Christmas came early. Then the rumors swirling about Ginny, then her showing up, and then the cliffhanger. Wow, you're off to one hell of a start, my dear. Um, Lily Pads Rocks uh, says, strap myself in, I'm ready for this fic. Connie008 um, says, oh my god, love this, where's chapter two, I'm waiting. Okay, so, and the, um, <laughs> sorry, this fic has only one chapter so far, wow, so it looks like, and they published this in 2016, so it looks like they just never got back to it, maybe they had a different project that they wanted to work on or something else, yeah, so, what's our next number, our next number 
happens to be 10. Alright, so this is me from the future. Um, I tried reading about three to four different stories um, before I just kind of stopped, had to stop myself and ask, um, well, here was the problem. Um, so this, this, uh, this fandom, <clears throat> the pitch fandom, uh, I think it, it's just, there's, there's a many, there's a lot of people in this fandom that want to write, um, mature and explicit, uh, fan fiction. So it's just, there's nothing to work with. It's all just for lack of a better word, uh, porn and nothing else, nothing, nothing else that really would make it funny or interesting. So, um, I went ahead and I filtered out our results so that it is now showing, uh, at least, at least for a teen, a teen rating. Um, so it's not like completely boring, but it, it's something, you know, um, I just don't, I, I'm not gonna read those kinds of stories on here, so. What, what we have now, originally we wanted to go with story 10. Uh, now this is a completely different story that we have here, and it is Nothing But These Aching Bones by Tiny Blue Fishy. And it is rated <clears throat> for teen and up, um... It is a uh, F slash M, and it is strictly within the pitch fandom. So, and the summary is, it's Mike's last season. Last game, the Padres have made the World Series. To Mike, baseball is about love, and this is a story about that. Author's notes say, I love this show. I've always been fascinated by the family relationships between characters, especially Mike's family. So here's my take on his relationship with his father and father figures. All of this is unbedded, so mistakes are mine. Um, and luckily, this this is very short. So we we just keep getting um, breaks on that one. So chapter one, an invitation. Hey boss, there's a woman out here who wants to see you. Thanks, Sheila. I'll be out in a sec. Smiling, Dave Grissom hangs up the phone and pushes back from his desk. In over 30 years in the car sales game, he still enjoys the one-on-one -on -one FaceTime with the customers and was still one of the best salesmen in his company. Leaving his office, he saw the woman Sheila had been talking about. She was standing facing away from him, her arms crossed as... She looked over the mid-sized SUV that was parked in the showroom. Her dark curly hair cascading over a worn leather jacket with dark skinny jeans covering her lower half, ending in motorcycle boots, she looked like any other recent college graduate looking for a car. That's a nice car, but it depends what you're in the market for, he said as he came to stand beside her. I'm Dave Grissom. You asked to see me? She turns to face him then, and it was all he could do not to leave his jaw hanging like a sack-jawed yokel. 
It was Jenny Baker in the flesh, the fourth star starting pitcher for the San Diego Padres. The first female player in MLB history was standing in his showroom on her day off in the 2018 World Series. This was something that didn't happen every day. I did. Hi, I'm Jenny Baker. The words fell unbidden from his mouth. The answering look on her face proved that at least he wasn't the first man to lose control of his words. Yeah, I am. Her smile is a shock, the dimples bursting from her cheeks in a way that remind that that reminders him <laughs> they they made a mistake there. Just how young this incredible woman before him is. She may be in her third season of Major League Ball, but at just 25, she was still incredibly young. And you're here looking for a car? He can't help the incred incredulity in his voice. I can't say that word right. She shakes her head softly, facing back towards the car in front of her. No, I don't drive, and if I did, Poway might have been a little far to come to get a car. I actually came to see you, you, Mr. Grissom. He felt his own eyebrows raise at that. She'd come to see him, as if hearing his unspoken question, she carried on. I wanted to know if you have plans for tomorrow night. Tomorrow night? Halloween? Just trick-or-treating with my grandson and handing out candy. How about if I was to offer you four behind-the-plate tickets to Game 6 of the World Series instead? Do you think your grandson would be okay with that instead? She turns her head, giving him a searching look, as if she's trying to figure her way into a conversation that she doesn't really want to have. Miss Baker, that's very genuine, genu oh God, generous of you, but tomorrow night will be my captain's last game of professional baseball. He's one of the best men I've ever known. Tomorrow night, he's going to step out on Petco Park for the last time in his career. A career he has spent in one city, with one team, and I think it would mean a lot to both of you if you were there. There it is, proof in so few sentences. This woman next to him knows exactly who he is, and the secret he thought he he thought had been hidden for over twenty years. My family, how is how is he going to explain this? Pulling an envelope from the inside pocket of her jacket, she turned to face him dead on. Dave Grissom felt the full force of what major league batters have been facing for the past three years. Your family never has to know. Say you won the tickets in a last-minute prize draw and you can't believe your luck. You never have to tell them. All you have to do is show up. I don't know what you think you know or what he's asked you to do. Nobody has asked me to do anything. He doesn't know I'm here. I'm not asking you to uproot your life or for anything to change. I'm doing a favor for a friend and for you too. All you have to do is go to a ball game. I can tell you it's going to be a good one. Okay, sure. Thank you, Miss Baker. As he accepts the envelope from her outstretched hand, he can visibly see the relief flood off her. Congratulations, Mr. Grissom, she said with a soft smile, turning to walk out of the showroom and into the waiting SUV 
He could now see parked at the curb. He couldn't help himself but add, you know, there's always game seven, right? Her smile was electric as she turned back to face him. Not this year. There isn't. I'll see you tomorrow night. In that moment, it became perfect, perfectly clear what he should have known earlier. Ginny Baker is a force of nature. We have very many kudos and four comments. Megs8 says, love this. I hope this ends with a happy ending for Mike and Ginny with them not being teammates anymore. I was, I also hope that Mike gets the closure from his non-relationship with his father and sees that Ginny and Al love him 10 times as much. Great job. I can't wait to read the rest. Uh, author responds, thank you. Thanks so much for the review. And there are definitely plans for when Mike and Ginny aren't teammates anymore. Pax, Pax Spoon says, um, I absolutely can't wait for more. I love that Ginny is the one to go to him. Author responds, thanks so much. I just felt like she'd have a need to help him fix his relationship. Okay. Um, Wow. I just, I can't believe after all those stories that I read that there's actually one that isn't, isn't degenerate. I mean, oh my God, the people, some of the people in this fandom just go crazy with the story writing. I mean, it, it's like I said before, it's nothing but porn and just nothing else. And that's not very interesting. So, well... We've read two stories so far, so what is our new number to generate? It is 11. And 11 happens to be Quarantine by Loved Movies B. Uh, this is a Tina and Up rating, um, F slash M, and Strictly Pitch fandom. So... Uh, the summary is, this was Ginny's fault, as usual. Mike can't find it in himself to be angry. Okay, here we go. Mike, this is so boring. Ginny's head slammed back lightly on into the wall behind him. Uh, wait, what? And then it says, she turned big, baleful brown eyes on him, poking her lower lip out. Um, I think, I think they meant to say, okay, that, that was a little confusing, but let's just continue. So, amuse yourself, rookie, Mike sighed, refusing to be taken in by her baiting. When do the tests come back? She asked for the umpteenth time. Soon, maybe, maybe in a few hours. Mike thumbed at the screen of his phone, looking without seeing. How come we're the only ones who are stuck here, her pouting continued, because you just had to introduce me to that guy you knew one time in the minors. Mike grit his teeth. And guess what, rookie? He had the coronavirus. How was I supposed to know, she protested, throwing her arms out. We're supposed to be social distancing, Mike groused. You could have stopped me. You dragged me over, and even if I hadn't come, you would have been right in my face a few minutes later. And guess what again? 
He turned towards her, doing his best game show host imitation. Ginny crossed her arms over her chest, looking down at the low pile carpet beneath them. No guess, Mike continued. Well, let me tell you, rookie, we'd still be in here quarantined. She huffed, refusing to dignify him with an answer. At least we're in here together, she mumbled, picking at the brown fabric underneath them. He'd dropped to the floor the moment they'd been admitted to this room by people in hazmat suits, trying to take the pressure off his knees, even though there was a perfectly good couch, Ginny had elected to sit inches from him. Okay. Being together is what what's getting us into trouble, Baker, Mike pointed out. Mike should have known better than to let Ginny drag him anywhere. He was a grown a grown man. Problem was Ginny made him made him make lots of stupid decisions. He was glad that she hadn't grabbed Blip. Evelyn would have killed them all to be separated from her husband for two weeks. Look, Baker, Mike softened somewhat, setting his phone down between them. We both had mistakes. Um, what? We we both had mas masks on. We're probably in the clear. Okay. What if we're not? She asked softly. What if we're out for the season? The same thought had crossed Mike's mind. Lord knows he didn't have a lot of seasons left. We're going to be fine, Rook. He reached for her shoulder. Ginny sighed, nodding. She mustered a crooked smile, the gesture barely enough to crinkle her deeply dimpled cheeks. You scared? He asked her. She shrugged. I am. I am, he admitted. Her eyes flicked up to his face, looking for any sign of deception. Yeah, she, she hazarded. Oh my. Yeah, Mike said, but it's going to be fine. Always is. And, and besides, he nudged her. It's not so bad being in here with you. Is this going to be your last season? She asked suddenly. It was Mike's turn to shrug. Who knows, Baker? That would suck, she huffed. No fans, no regular schedule. It's not so bad, Mike assured her. People cheer for me everywhere I go, really. It's nice to enjoy some quiet. She rolled her eyes. But seriously, Mike, Ginny swallowed. What am I going to do with, without you? Mike sucked at his teeth, calming and the clenching in his chest. I'm sure you'll find me no matter where I go, he teased. Her laugh was light, but it, it soothed him immensely. I'll miss you, she confided. Obviously, Mike smirked, stroking his beard, but, but stop talking about me like I'm leaving the planet. I'm sitting right next to you, Baker. Yeah, Ginny agreed, offering him a lopsided smile. You are. She laid her hand between them, right beside his phone. Mike stared at it for a moment. He'd memorized every motion of those nimble fingers around the laces of a baseball. Careful. Carefully, he extended his own, covering hers. Ginny gasped, gasped, but quelled it. Quick as lightning, she flipped her hand, interlacing their fingers. Mike leaned back, resting his head on the wall. Behind him, Ginny mirrored him. They sat like that in comfortable silence until Mike's legs began to go numb. He kept still, terrified to interrupt the moment. His phone did that work for him. The vibration sent them both jumping, scattering apart like they'd been caught. 
Mike chuckled without humor, scrambling to catch the offending item in his palm. I'm negative, he read out, out loud to her once he'd pulled up the offending message. Ginny nodded. Her own phone began to buzz. Mike did his best not to laugh as she fumbled for it from her back pocket, contorting to fish it out. Me too, she told him a moment later. Well, Mike attempted a bracing smile. Guess we don't have to quarantine then. Guess not, Ginny agreed. Game's canceled, though, Mike observed, so I guess we both have nothing to do. Figured you'd want to get away from me, Ginny pointed out, chewing at her lower lip. Mike stood up, knees crackling. He extended an arm down, taking her hand again. Dinner, he offered. My place? I'll make pasta from scratch. Ginny's whole face brightened, her smile setting his pulse racing like they hadn't missed the game at all. It sound, sounds good, she agreed, still holding his hand. You drive, she suggested. Mike chuckled, leading her out of the room, their fingers intertwined. Yeah, rookie, he agreed, fishing with his free hand for his keys. What else is new? Okay, um, there are eight comments. Lorayon says, super cute XO. And then Tiny Blue Fishy says, oh, this is adorable. I have such a sweet spot for pre-relationship Mike and Ginny. Um, indie nerd girl, uh, pra, oh, they, they just put a quote in here from the story. Uh, problem was Ginny made him make lots of stupid decisions because Mike Lawson can't say no to Ginny Baker in any universe. Loved it. Okay. Um, and then... Pack Spoon says, this was fabulous. Loved it. More, please. Okay. <clears throat> so that's that. Um, okay. Next, we have number 17, which happens to be Give This Game a Ride by Elegant Stupidity. Um, this is a teen and up rating F slash M. And it's strictly within the pitch fandom. The summary is just round two of prompt fills, table of contents in first chapter. Oh, okay. Um, so then, all right. Summary, her, her, oh my, her McGinney Harvell I may or may not have been re-watching Deathly Hollows, and now I really need a help. I can't zip up my dress. Oh shit, I'm zipping up her dress, and I'm in love with her. Oh no. Chapter Tags, Future Fic, ESPYs, Ginny and Evelyn, so much UST. Chapter Title, Cynthia Lewis quote, nobody notices it when your zipper is up, but everyone notices when it's down. Oh, I'm so confused. Okay. <laughs> Intellectually, Ginny understands why ESPYs always come the Wednesday following the All-Star game. 
It's pure practicality. No one's playing any games. Baseball's in its mid-season break. The NBA, NFL, and NHL are all in their off-seasons. High school and college athletes are on summer vacation. Everyone's schedule is wide open, a true rarity in the world of sports. The logic of it all is easy. She'd never argue otherwise. That doesn't mean she has to like it. Besides, because on this particular Wednesday following the All-Star game, Ginny Baker is exhausted. Right now, nothing sounds better than going home to her condo, sparsely furnished as it is. It has her own bed, which is really all she wants. Doing nothing but sleep and doing nothing but sleep and have food delivered to her for the next 48 hours sounds too good to be true. Because of course it is. It doesn't matter how much Miami had taken it out of her. True, there wasn't much work for her to do during the All-Star game itself. She'd consider herself lucky to stay on the mound for a whole for a whole inning. But the media circus leading up to it was a grid all, all its own. How's her arm doing? Is she feeling 100% again? What does she think of the trade rumors? How does she like the Padres shot at the postseason? Between workout day and the home run derby and the in- interminable red carpet before the game even started, Ginny'd been interviewed and filmed and, fo- and photographed until she was sure she was more soundbite than real person. Suffice it to say, if she never sees another camera or microphone or tape recorder in her life, she'll die a happy woman. But try telling her agent that the media market is fully saturated when it comes to the Ginny Baker brand. Going to the ESPYs, even if she is nominated, and walking the red carpet, posing for the flock of vultures and their flashbulbs, isn't going to change that. Anyway, surely there was such a thing as too much press coverage, right? When Ginny hopefully offered up this argument, Amelia started started at her for a full minute. Like the suggestion was so utterly foreign, she couldn't begin to wrap her mind around it. It'd been enough to get Ginny to reluctantly backpedal and agree to go. Well, there's no pulling out now. Not when she's already all when she's already all made up, hair done, requisite Instagram posts already making the rounds on the internet, it hardly matters that she won't win. There's nothing Ginny can do to get out of this now. Although, she thinks, considering the height of the heels she's supposed to put on, maybe I can fake a rolled ankle. Ginny sighs and sluggishly pulls her dress off its hanger, even as she tells herself it's better not to get any of the club's attention the club's trainers involved in a, in a lie to the entire sports media industry. Her fingers skim over the dark fabric at the waist, and she regrets that something so undeniably pretty only fills her with annoyance. She can't count the number of times she, just today she's shaken her head at the body-hugging number. Um, but Ginny bowed to Amelia and Evelyn's superior fashion sense before, There's no reason not to do it now. At least Evelyn had made most of today pretty fun, even if it wasn't being back home in San Diego, picking out on Postmates delivered Korean barbecue in bed. Ginny had to admit her friend had 
a knack for making the most out of a less-than-ideal situation. They giggled and gossiped and goofed off, fitting in the necessary beauty routines in between pictures of Bloody Marys and terrible pay-per-view movies. Almost before she even realized it was happening, Evelyn and Hev- oh God, Evelyn had transformed her into the red carpet-ready Ginny Baker it seemed like everyone wanted to see. Now that Ginny was alone again, having sent Evelyn off towards her own room, tipsy and belting out, I want to dance with somebody, it was a little harder for her to be caught up in the moment. All Ginny had now was her exhaustion, general annoyance with the situation, and this ridiculous dress to put on. It would be a shame to miss out if Blip and Mike end up taking home the award for best play, she tells herself, stepping up, stepping into the most unzipped dress and tugging it up her body. Idly, she wonders what they'll think when they see her in this. Well, what one of them will think? It's an in- intrusive it's an intrusive thought, but similar enough to the kind Ginny's gotten pretty, pretty used to dealing with over the past months. Her inconvenient attraction to Mike Lawson hasn't gone anywhere, not over the off-season, not during spring training, and certainly not over the front half of the regular season. Going to Miami with him, the only Padres reps for the All-Star game, certainly hadn't helped. The fact that he hadn't asked any questions, hardly even complained, when she, more than once too, used him as a human shield with the roving pack of reporters, didn't make Ginny any more aware of what she feels. She's been uncomfortable, uncomfortably aware of that since before she got that text on her first date with Noah. His teasing grin, even as he kept shifting to provide her with better cover, however, was enough to make her seriously consider actually doing something about it. Damn the consequences. In return, that was more than enough to send Ginny into something of a tailspin. She'd done her best to avoid him while she recalibrated, but it was an essentially impossible effort. She and Mike shared pretty much everything, even when it's not just them stuck in Miami together. Dugout hotel... Oh, God. (coughs) Sorry. Um... Dugout hotel, rides to the airport, avoidance wasn't in the cards. Then, of course, their seats on the red eye into L.A. were right next to each other. Ginny hadn't let herself fall asleep for fear she'd wake up propped against Mike's shoulder, just as she has on so many other flights. Hell, only a hallway separates their rooms here in L.A. And now, not even two days after that realization, she's got to go walk the red carpet with him. All right, maybe her reluctance isn't just media-induced. Ginny holds the neckline in place and admires the effect in the full-length mirror. It's a little difficult since a certain amount of her brain power is currently dedicated to thoughts of dark beards framing... Uh... Okay, what? Um, still she soldiers on. She's basically thinking of kissing him, but they said it in the weirdest way possible. 
Still, she soldiers on. Amelia and Evelyn had definitely known what they were doing. Picking out this dress, even if it's a little racier than Ginny usually wears for public events, the lack of straps is worrying, but the sheer determination of the elastic in the fabric should be protection enough. Once it's zipped and in place, she's been assured. It won't go anywhere. It better not, at least. The last thing she needs is a very public wardrobe malfunction or someone to start the rumor that Ginny Baker doesn't believe in bras. It's not her fault. The scant material at her chest won't allow for one. Reaching around for the zipper, Ginny resolves to go to the ESPYs and have, if not a good time, at least an okay one. If she can make it through the night without embarrassing herself, she'll call it a success. Then she can go back to the San Diego to San Diego and cry with relief when the only journalists she has to talk to are the familiar Padres beat reporters. But first she really needs to get dressed, which she realizes with a frown as she tugs again at the zipper to no avail might prove harder than she'd first assumed. There aren't any buttons or straps or ties to hold the thing closed, after all. Just a long zipper from the hem all the way up the back of the dress. Ginny is fully capable of handling a zipper on her own. Or she thought she was. Struggling to crane around and catch sight of where she'd gone wrong, Ginny huffs in frustration. At least Amelia wasn't wrong when she'd said the stupid thing wasn't going anywhere. She can't get the fabric to stop clinging long enough to shimmery to shimmy it around to get a better view of the problem. Even if she does manage to get the zipper somewhere she can see it, there's no reason to believe she could get the damn thing turned back the right way once she fixes it. Why did she ever agree to wear this dress? Flopping in defeat into her sweet couch, Ginny pe- picks up her phone. Please come help me, she types to Evelyn, willing to take a little teasing if it means arriving to the ESPY's fully closed zipper stuck. Since Evelyn had only departed the suite too, make sure my husband isn't going to embarrass me. Ginny's sure, sure she'll be rescued in no time. It's not as if Blip, who loves clothes and getting dressed as up as much as his wife does, is at risk of embarrassing anyone. Then again, Evelyn had been belting Whitney as she left, and while Ginny would never admit to knowing this, she has it on good authority that Whitney is uh, foolproof is a foolproof way to get her friend feeling a little frisky. Shaking off any consideration of Blip, and Eve's sex life, Ginny tells herself that any minute Evelyn will be at the door. Evelyn will be at the door. She'll fix her dress and reassure her that everything is going to be fine, like the perfect fairy god godmother slash best friend she is. And she won't be at all annoyed because Ginny definitely hadn't interrupted her debauching her husband. When the knock comes, Ginny bounds up from her slump, softly sculpting curls sculpted curls bouncing against her bare shoulders jesus ev why would you let amelia pick this thing how am i supposed to keep my tits in here Ginny's complaining before she even opens the door when she does though she halts in her tracks blinking in disbelief and feeling like the floor cannot swallow her hole fast enough you're not evelyn 
Uh, no, Mike replies. After a long moment in which his gaze rakes over her, more than a little daze, he shakes himself and continues. But she did brief me. Some sort of fashion emergency? Belatedly, Ginny's hand, hands fly to her chest. Jesus, how close had she come to flashing whoever was in the hall? Never mind that the hallway behind her team captain is blif blissfully empty. It's either it's easier to worry about that than the obvious. So she sent you? What was Evelyn thinking? Sending Mike over to Ginny to deal with a wardrobe malfunction? She knows. It dawns on Ginny. She knows. He rolls his eyes, clearly taking her emphasis for disdain. If only it were that simple. I've been told I clean up pretty well. Mike certainly isn't wrong. He fills out his light gray summer weight suit to perfection. The crisp white shirt beneath his jacket stretches ever so slightly across his broad chest, a blue tie concealing whether or not the buttons are under any strain. A little large, a little large part of Ginny thrills at his appearance. It isn't just that the gray of his suit picks up on the lighter strands um, shot through his beard. Is he going gray? Or that the subtle plaid of the fabric is particularly, particularly begging her fingers to trace over each and every line. No, it has far more to do with the fact that they match. They go together even. Sure, Ginny's heels still sitting neglected in their box, are much darker blue than either Mike's tie or pocket square, and his suit is closer to monochrome than the ombre effect of her dress, but who cares? They complement each other, they match. Or they will once Ginny's actually dressed. So, he draws, shifting a little awkwardly as the silence stretches out. What's the problem? Ginny would gesture if she weren't worried removing her hands from the top of her dress would treat Mike to an eyeful. And if Mike ever does get an eyeful, it certainly won't be because of a wardrobe malfunction, she thinks, then tacks on more honestly, or when we have to make a public appearance within the hour. Without betraying that bit of inner monologue, she keeps both arms clasped over her chest to hold the fabric in place, and steps aside to let him in. Better to discuss this out of, the, out of the hallway where anyone could overhear and leap to conclusions. The zipper's just stuck, she says, keeping her back to the wall as Mike comes inside and closes the door. Ginny is suddenly and entirely too aware of just how much of her bare back is exposed and how unprepared she is for Mike to see it. She'd managed to get the zipper up over the curve of her ass, but not much further. No big deal. I can't wait for for Evelyn. I'm pretty sure I can handle the zipper, he replies, sounding far too amused for her comfort. Ginny doesn't chew on her lip as she thinks, but only because she doesn't want to reapply her lipstick when she inevitably scrapes it all off. This is decidedly not how she'd pictured Mike first helping her with her clothes. For one thing, she'd never imagined him helping her put them on, Mike lifts a brow and all bets are off. She's never been able to back down from a challenge, even when she knows she should. Okay, she agrees, nodding decisively and taking a step toward him. 
She can't quite keep the bait out of her tone, if you say so. With that, Ginny closes the distance and turns her back on her captain. She doesn't think she imagines his sharp inhale or the long pause before his fingers brush across the top of her shoulders, sweeping her hair out of the way. Ginny doesn't complain, even though there's nothing for it to get in the way of. If anything, she wants to beg for more. So, of course, his hands disappear from her skin. The disappointment that crashes through her is nearly physical, but thankfully brief. Ginny has to brace herself when they reappear at the small of her back. There are two sides of the dress where the two sides of the dress refuse to come together. It's just a slight pressure, the faint suggestion of warmth through fabric, but it's enough to tell her where all of Mike's attention is currently focused. Her eyes flutter closed at the slightly too sharp tug down that dislodges the zipper from where it'd gone astray. How far did he unzip? Can he see the top of her underwear? Ginny thinks the ragged exhale she hears is answer enough. At least it's nice underwear, she finds herself thinking, aiming for detached but veering dangerously close to Giddy. She breathes deep, more than a little disappointed, when Mike writes his course and slides the zipper up its track. One knuckle drags feather light along her spine before the cloth closing together behind. Finally, though, it really can't have taken that long. She reaches the end of the line, just below Ginny's shoulder blades. His knuckles brush against her skin and over the fabric, making sure it lays flat. His thumb sketches a gentle arc just where her skin disappears beneath the dress. Ginny can't help but shiver, toes curling against the soft carpeting. Nonetheless, Mike doesn't pull his hand away, nor does he when Ginny, when Ginny turns, stepping into his bulk rather than away as she should. His hand remains high on her back as she tips her face up to him, lips parted and eyes wide. Suddenly, Ginny's not too worried about reapplying her lipstick. Mike looks back, a flush riding high on his cheekbones. His games rose, roams hungri hungrily over her face, the hand on her back encouraging her closer. Ginny feels like she can't breathe, but unlike her panic attack, she learns she leans into this dizzying uncertainty. She lays a hand on Mike's arm, sliding up the smooth arm of his jacket and coming to a stop at his brawny shoulder. Just as she's resolved to rock in and snap the thin thread of her self-control, code and potential lipstick smudges be damned, Three sharp raps sound at the door. Mike and Ginny don't move. Aside from the slight widening of their eyes, both remain stock still, breath mingled in the scant space still separating them. Even after another flurry of knocks, they stare at one another, far too, far too aware of the line they've nearly crossed. Still want to cross, in fact. Just as Mike's eyes dip back to Ginny's mouth, and he leans in, though, the knocking graduates to yelling through the locked door. G, Blip calls, sounding only slightly harried. F wants you to know the car's downstairs, and if you're not in the lobby in five minutes, she's leaving without you. It's enough to pop the bubble. Ginny clears her throat and locking eyes with Mike, her friend, her teammate, her something. She takes a step back. They can't be doing this, not now. Not for a long while yet. 
Disappointment flashes through her eyes, his eyes, but he still nods and takes his own step back, too. Got it, Blip, she calls back. Meet you down there. He must agree because Mike and Ginny are left in her too quiet suite with nothing to distract them from what they'd nearly done. Well, Ginny can't have that. Not if she's going to spend the evening being filmed and photographed in this man's company. Her every move picked apart and dissected by morning. It's bad enough that she's got her own intrusive thoughts, but to know that Mike's got them too, that there's some serious overlap between his and hers, it's too much. So Ginny does the only thing she can. She pretends nothing's happened. She rolls around the suite, collecting her clutch and phone and emergency snacks, checking over her appearance one last time as she fastens the buckles of her shoes, puts on the loner jewelry Amelia had scored and gently pretends and generally pretends Mike isn't even there, which is difficult because he insists on staring after her in amused befuddlement. If Ginny spends any time appreciating the adorable little frown furrowing his brow, Evelyn and Blip really will leave without them before she gets her mind back on track. When she feels prepared to do more than steal glances at him in the mirror, as prepared as three minutes will buy her, at least, Ginny turns back to Mike and pastes a bright smile on her face. Ready to go? His eyes sweep over her form, but it isn't the reckless perusal it'd been when she first opened the door. No, this is slightly more concerned, a cautious once over to make sure she really is all right. And not just faking it. It's the same look he gives he sometimes gives her on the field when he thinks she's lying about having more in the tank. Ginny allows her grin to turn a little more sheepish, uncertain. Mike softens. Yeah, Baker, he replies. Let's get out of here. They manage to put up a fairly normal front for their fellow passengers, not that Blip and Evelyn make it hard. They squabble good-naturedly about who deserves to win which awards, seeming to draw both Ginny and Mike into the conversation effortlessly. Maybe it even is effortless. Maybe it's just unthinking and automatic, their desire to engage with their friends on their way to what should be an exciting night. Ginny, however, has her doubts. She knows Ev's calculating face has been treated to it more times than she can count over the years, and her expression, the whole ride is awfully familiar. Evelyn definitely clocks Mike's lingering frown and the way she's eyeing the careful space Ginny's left on the bench between her captain's thigh and hers isn't comforting. If Blip notices anything, he's got a better poker face than his wife. When Eve ushers her husband out of the car first claiming... Um, what? When Ev ushers her husband out of the car first claiming she wants a few goddamn shots of just us before Lawson the camera hog makes an appearance and Blip doesn't complain though Ginny knows Sherlock Sanders has struck again she tries to appreciate the sight of her friend cowing the photo pool into turning their attention away from Michael Phelps and onto some Blip Sanders but it's hard when she's entirely too aware of the man sitting next to her 
he'd slid an inch closer to her when the limo stopped, so now she's viscerally aware, just like she's aware of the exact feel of his jacket beneath her fingertips and the way his cologne still lingers in her nose, of his warmth radi radiating into her. So why are her arms covered in goosebumps? Hey, he murmurs, nudging her softly with his elbow. Ginny frowns, but doesn't say anything. He nudges her again, and she shifts, cocking her head to show she's listening, even if her eyes are still focused out the window. She doesn't think she can look him in the face and not kiss him now. Not with his warm arm pressed against her and his dark eyes looking at her with such genuine concern. Damn it, even the reflection is too much. Mike sighs, not quite loud enough to cover the faint rasp of his hands, smoothing over the leg, legs of her pants, of his pants. Talk to me, talk to me, Baker. If it come out any less bleeding, Ginny wouldn't turn around. She would keep her attention on the mayhem outside and pretend she's just trying to center herself before wading in. It isn't even completely untrue. As it is, she turns to face him and can't help but remember that the angle had been a little different back at the hotel. They'd faced each other head-on there, and her eyeline had been a little lower, level with the ticking tendon in his neck, rather than the hints of Gray framing his mouth. But this is still too familiar. What's there to say, Lawson? Don't play the avoidance game, not now. Avoidance game? She hedges, finger, fingers whirring the hem of her dress. For all its cling, it sure can ride up her thigh. Mike just shakes his head. I know when you're avoiding me, even when you're right here. You've been doing it since Miami. She doesn't protest. Yeah, Jenny agrees. Would it really help to tell him that she'd thought about kissing him or more in Miami? Will that make it it easier on either of them. It seems unlikely. Nonetheless, she can't stuff the words back into her mouth when she says, maybe today wasn't the first time I thought. His eyes go wide even as his lips part in a disbelieving, reckless grin. His hand lands on top of her own, almost on the bare skin of her thigh, but that's nothing compared to the way Mike's looking at her right now. Ginny swallows and forces herself to go on. I thought about it, this, even when I know we can't. His smile doesn't dim, but that seems to, to knock the air out of his sails. For a moment, Mike just studies her. Ginny can't help but stare back, cataloging every arc and curve of, his, of the face. Of this face, she already knows like her own. His, oh God, his hazel eyes caress her face more tender than any touch, finally satisfied with whatever he's seen, he blows out a long, unsteady breath. Ginny can certainly sympathize. His head tilts a little to the side, and his eyes go soft as he asks, We're good? We're good, she promises, gaze dropping to her lap, to his big calloused hand covering hers. This thing with Mike is hard, and sometimes it's scary as hell, but Ginny never doubts that their friendship, their connection on the field, comes first. It'll take more than a few charged moments to throw them off their game. Then again, dot dot dot, when Ginny finally looks back up at him, it takes a moment for his concentration to dissolve away, 
but Mike is nothing if not excellent at hiding his misgivings. Sure enough, he smirks, a mischievous sparkle lighting up his eyes. He gives her fingers one last squeeze before letting them go. Good, he draws, making Ginny roll her eyes. If anything, his smirk just grows, which does nothing to dissuade Ginny from the dismaying opinion that Smug looks really good on him. I know we're not talking about, well, any of this, but I've got something for you to keep in mind. When he doesn't elaborate, he arches an eye, he arches a brow and demands, and what's that? He leans in and, and brushes a rasping kiss against Ginny's cheek. She freezes, too aware that all she needs to do is turn her face a few inches and she could be kissing Mike Lawson. Stubbornly, she remains stock still. Ginny can feel more than hear his responding chuckle. Anytime you need some help with your zipper, he murmurs right into her ear and making her goosebumps erupt across her skin. I'm your guy. With that, he opens the car door and climbs out onto the red carpet, leaving behind one stunned teammate. Alone in the back of the car, Ginny can't help, help dissolve into laughter, maybe a little hysterical. Could anyone blame her, though? Once she manages to reel her mind in from the tangent Mike has inspired, she sucks in a deep breath. She doesn't bother convincing her lips to dro drop their grin, though. Much as she loves to imply otherwise, Mike's outrageous self-confidence is irresistible. It's one of the things she, well, if she can't even kiss the man yet, she probably shouldn't be thinking that. Anyway, if she thought she'd gotten the last word in, he has another thing coming. Stepping out onto the red carpet, making sure to shake her hair and smile dazzling dazzlingly, only once she's positive she has Mike's attention. Ginny is very sure of that. Okay. There's 30 comments. Redhead Girl says, Don't you dare tear this down. I love it just the way it is. Um, author responds, Aw, thanks. I think I'm partially annoyed I had to tear out all these little moments from the first draft that I really liked but did not work within the structure of the story. Maybe I'll feel better about this if I find a home for those bits. Thanks so much. Classy Willow says, I love this. Please tell me we get a follow-up where he's dragging that zipper down her body. Haha, <laughs> so brilliant. Author responds, hmm, it'd have to be a different dress slash occasion, but I'll definitely think about it. Thanks for reading. Alphabet Soup says, amazing job. Really love this one. You painted such a great picture. Thanks for sharing. HP2285 says, who knew zipping up a zipper could be so seductive? Oh yeah, it's Mike and Ginny, so. Uh, author responds, right? It really is amazing they made it to ESPYs at all. Thanks for reading. Darlin in my way says, uh, oh, they quote it and then they say cheeky and sexy and so Mike, bravo. Then author responds, thanks. I kept flip-flopping on that line, but I'm really glad it stayed in and it worked. Uh, Romance is Real says, yay, more fic. Okay, so I have kind of a weird prompt. Whenever guys talk about periods, they're all, ew, so gross. I don't think they understand how much it hurts, and it's every freaking month. There was this Chinese swimmer at the last Olympics who said she had a hard time competing because she was on her period. So now here's Ginny having to p play a gazillion games a year 
and all these dudes have no idea how much harder that is to do when she's in pain. How do they react? Do they figure it out? Can they get over themselves and be actually helpful? Anyway, if you want to take a crack at it, dot dot dot. And then author response, I've definitely got you covered when it comes to more fic. And funnily enough, I was actually thinking about this a little bit ago. Some of them have got to realize what a hassle it is. But ball players aren't necessarily the sharpest tools in the shed, so I'll definitely keep thinking about it and see what I can come up with. Victura says, I love the introspection and the way every subtle touch, every glimmer of excitement registered in her mind and body, making what was probably only a few seconds feel like time had stopped for that moment. Also, is this the gray suit MPG war at the beginning of the season for press. Okay, um, then author responds, thank you. That was exactly what I was going for. The breathless anticipation and trying to drag a short, inconsequential moment into eternity. And yes, that was such a good look for him. I can't get over it. Uh, Dorothy J says, brava, tension, anticipation, self-control, respect, Love your boss and slow burn. Author responds, thank you. Jody says, you're not allowed to tear it down even though I already printed it and posted it on my ceiling so it's the first thing I see when I wake up and the last thing I see before I sleep. Honestly though, this fic was perfect and it has the right amount of banter and cute to truly make me tear up because I'm missing them. Thank you so much for writing this and posting it. Um, the author responds, ah, Jody, you're too good to me. I'm definitely missing them too. Thank you for your encouragement, your treasure. Jinlaw3643 says, I wouldn't change a thing. The story is one that definitely needs more inner dialogue instead of conversation. I would like to see Mike's side of the story though. Nice. Um, author responds, thanks to be honest, I feel like a lot of Mike's side of the story would just be him thinking to himself, keep it together. Maybe Mike's POV of what happens on the red carpet would be more interesting or at least less repetitive. Uh, then Jin Law responds, oh, I agree. He'd be saying that so many times it would just be one long word. And I saw the, hmm... Does that mean it's a maybe? Um, and then the author responds, I'm thinking about it, that's for sure. Ellis says, this was amazing. I think having this same fic from Mike's point of view would be really interesting. Lizard979 says this was perfect. Kira says love. Monk Shooter says, um, I'm more than okay with this with all the introspection. So, so much of their communication was wordless, and that translates nicely into this. But so much tension. I love how you built tension through pacing and emotion despite not much action happening. It's really well done. You know what they have serious issues, that they have serious issues towing the line after the subtle acknowledgement of feelings. Like she'll call him to do her zippers when she could arguably do it herself, and he'll take longer and longer to do them up, giving himself as much of a chance to touch her skin as possible. Heaven forbid, she so she shows up to an event in a zippered outfit without having called him to help. 
And then um, the author responds, oh good, the pacing on this one was such a nightmare. I initially included all these little flashback scenes, but they were such a, a stumbling block to the actual flow of the story, even though I actually really liked the content in them. Now I'm really glad I took them out, even if I'm still trying to figure out if I can use some of the ideas in them elsewhere. Absolutely, or Ginny gets a dress with buttons down all the back and Mike nearly swallows his damn tongue when he sees them. It takes him much longer to do them up than it should his fingers shake so much. Alternatively, those dresses that have a front zip all the way from hem to collar. <laughs> wow. Um, Ib says, I need more of this, like right now. This is so good, and I would die for Mike Lawson, that is all. Tiny Blue Fishy says, I love the introspection, introspective nature of this fic. You do so well at getting into Ginny's head, and her always complicated because they're teammates, uncomplicated because, well, if they weren't teammates, feelings for Mike. Um, yeah. So. Whew. That one was a lot. So now we have one more, and that would be number five. Okay, so number five is Ginny Tells It Like It Is by Redhead Girl. This is a teen and up rating. Um, and then, yeah. Okay, so... The summary is, a lot has changed in the last 48 hours, and more changes are coming. Ginny learns what her injury is, and her chances of playing baseball again. She also learns that maybe she can trust her team, just a little, to help her through their tough times. And the Padres learn that Ginny Baker can be painfully blunt when she chooses. This is my very first fanfic ever. Comments are good, so at least I know someone read the story. But remember, it's my first fanfic, so please be nice. Kudos are welcome if you feel it's deserved. Chapter 1, Ginny has some explaining to do. Um, a banging on the door jolted her out of sleep. Who the hell was pounding on her door at... She rolled over to squint at the alarm clock by her bed, 7 o'clock in the morning... She slumped back into the bed and pulled a pillow over her head. The hotel had supplied her with excellent pillows, and it went a long way towards muffling the sound from her door. She sighed with relief when the noise stopped. Baker, a voice barked sharply. sharply. Ginny sat up with a scream, clutching at her arm to control the pain from the sudden movement. Her hair was in her face and prevented her from seeing who was in her room, but she knew that voice. Lawson? Bat batting her curls out of her eyes, Ginny found Mike leaning his shoulder against the door, the bedroom door, smirking at her. What the? She choked out, her mouth gaping. You see, rookie, th there are rules. Rules that say you have to answer your phone when your captain calls. Rules that say you can't ignore your teammates' calls and texts for an entire road trip. Lawson straightened and crossed her arms over her chest, his smirk disappearing beneath the look she privately called his obey me look, and there are many, many rules about how you can't leave your teammates in the dark about something important like an injury because then they have to learn about it from ESPN. Ginny bit the corners of her lip and looked down. 
It's only been 48 hours, Lawson, and there really hasn't been an official diagnosis yet. Despite what ESPN has reported, she muttered, So why didn't you just say so? You could have told Evelyn, Blip, me, Salvi, or anyone else. Even Lillian. Wait, no, not Lillian. Anyone but him. Oh, sorry. Uh, Liven. That's a weird name. Instead, you told us exactly nothing, which is why I'm standing here at 7 o'clock in the morning when I could have slept another two hours before heading to the park. Ginny's eyes narrowed. Wait, how exactly did you get in my room? Mike pulled a plastic card from his pocket. Room key. How did you get that? Mike shrugged. I have my ways. She pushed the covers back and stood to face him. Who gave you a key to my room? Rookie, no one gave me a key. He took a quick step back when she reached out to grab the key from his hand. He made a point to scan her from top to bottom. You know, Baker, this isn't what I pictured you wearing to bed. Ginny gasped in fake outrage as she made another swipe for the card key. Why have you been imagining me in bed, old man? That took Mike aback and he froze. I wasn't, I mean, I hadn't, he sputtered. She made a quick swipe for the key while he was distracted. She yanked it from his hand and quickly backpedaled, holding it behind her back so she, he couldn't retrieve it. Nice distraction, Mike reluctantly praised before shrugging. I liberated the key from the maid's cart. Ginny frowned. They left a master key sitting in the hallway. Mike's cocky grin was back. Nope, it was nice and safe in the, in the locked closet. Then how, rookie, a little-known fact about yours truly is that if baseball hadn't worked out for me, I would have been an excellent cat burglar. In fact, I'm thinking about moving to Jewel Heist when I'm retired. Ginny's jaw dropped. You broke into a locked closet just to get a key card? Mike crossed his arms and frowned. No, I picked the lock to get the card because a rookie is disrespecting the entire team by pouting in her room. Be happy it was me. Al and Oscar were planning on coming over, and they would have had hotel security open your door for them if you didn't answer their knocks. I just saved your ass, Baker. Ginny instinctively threw her hands in the air in frustration, only to gasp at the sharp pain that ran down her arm. She clutched her right arm, her multi-million dollar pitching arm, to her side. The pain was so intense she had to blink away tears, because there was no way in hell she was crying in front of Lawson. Where's the brace? Ginny's eyes snapped to Mike's face. His tone of voice was low, calm, and near menacing, and the scowl on his face was fierce. This was Mike at his most furious. What brace? Ginny tried tentatively. Quit bullshitting me, rookie. Where's your goddamn brace? Ginny had never seen Mike this angry. It's in the, bath the bathroom, she admitted. I couldn't get it back on after changing out of my clothes. The scowl softened as Mike let out a frustrated sigh. God forbid you ask anyone for help, Baker. Give me the brace and I'll help you get into it after you're dressed. He expected an argument, but Jenny just nodded and retreated, retreated into the bathroom. She returned with a complicated shoulder immobilizer and handed it to Mike. I'm going to take a quick shower. You can wait in the living room for me, as long as you promise not to steal anything. Baker, you don't have anything worthy of my amazing talents. Now hurry up. I don't have all day to wait for you. Ginny rolled her eyes at him before turning away. It's pretty early in the morning to be this cranky old man. Sit down and take a nap. I'll wake you when it's time to go. 
There really wasn't much to her hotel suite, just the living slash dining room and the bedroom. He waited until the water turned on before moving out of her room. The brace was relatively standard as far as arm immobilization went. It took him all of two minutes to undo all the straps and Velcro that the rookie had managed and get it straightened, had mangled and get it straightened. He dropped to the, to the sofa and groaned, still sore from last night's game and red-eye flight. He reached for the remote, only to find the coffee table full of items. He shamelessly sorted through them. Here was the story of his rookie, the real way she'd spent the last two days. In front of him was six pill bottles, all labeled with medicines he recognized, anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxants, and pain meds, things found in every professional athlete's medicine cabinet at some time in their career. The expected iPad, MP3 player, and laptop, although why she needed both a laptop and tablet, he didn't know. He leaned down to look under the table and found ice packs, bags of now-thawed peas, and books ranging from Yogi Berra to mystery to romance. He flipped it open in the middle of the book, to the middle of the book, and scanned. Three pages in, and his eyebrows were nearly touching his scalp. So this was what women read. It was like penthouse forum, but with a lot of emotions. Geez, maybe they should hand this stuff out to the kids in single A-ball and call it an instruction manual. He was surprised Baker read romance, but hey, whatever got her mind off her injury was all good with him. He reached his arm further under the table, stretching until he nearly fell off the damn sofa. He grabbed a bag and brought it up for inspection. It was a gazillion, a gallon-sized sandwich bag full of rice. A reluctant smile broke through. She hadn't been ignoring him. She had been pouting or drinking or partying. She hadn't been pouting or drinking or partying or doing other stupid stuff to get through the first few post-injury days. Nope, this rookie had dropped her phone in water. He heard the shower shut off and quickly shut shoved everything back in place. He didn't know if she appreciated him snooping through her stuff, and he didn't want to fight. By the time she finally came out, he was stretched out on the sofa, watching the morning news. You take forever, Baker. I think my beard grew another inch waiting for you. She snorted. Thanks for the nightmares, Lawson. He clicked the TV off and stretched as he stood up. You know, you love the- you know you love the beard. I do not love the beard. Mike scooped the brace off the sofa and approached Ginny. Are you sure you want to wear this, to wear just that top? The brace is going to itch on bare skin. Ginny looked down at her tank top. It wasn't indecent by any means, but it was low and she never showed this much skin at the park if possible. It's all I can get on by myself. She suddenly glared at Mike and don't you dare say you'll help me dress. Mike raised his hands in a surrendering gesture. I wasn't going to say anything. Jeez, Baker. His paused, he, he paused a moment before continuing. If it helps, we've all been there. Anyone who has had an injury has needed help into or out of clothes. Have you ever broken ribs? You physically cannot put on any clothes without help. Our trainer, Ed, literally stripped and redressed me in the locker room because I couldn't stand, straighten up. And after Salvi's knee injury, I swear to God he couldn't get his pants on by himself for two weeks. 
Either his wife, the physical therapist, or Ed had to help him. Baker looked like she wasn't sure she believed him. Seriously, you're not making this up? Mike sighed. Ask the team if you don't believe me, or ask any of the medical staff. They'll all say the same thing. Now come here, he instructed. Let me get this brace on you, and let's go. If you make me late for to the park, you're running laps, rookie. It wasn't until she was standing in front of him that he could see the pallor beneath her latte-toned skin, the sweat beating on her upper lip. When did you last take your meds, Baker? She scowled at him, and for a moment, she didn't. he didn't think she was going to answer. Then she let out a sigh and implied she, that implied he was a huge pain in her butt and answered, about midnight. You're taking them as soon as we get this brace on. I can't take them on an empty stomach. Mike shook his head at, as always at her. Mike shook his head at her. Always with the food, Baker. Well, luckily for you, I'm the best captain on the planet. He motioned towards her entryway with his chin. I brought you food. Your, your gratitude can be shown with gifts of beer and promises of eternal obedience. She laughed out loud at that one. Now get over here so I can put this thing on and we can go. You take forever to get ready. You try getting you try getting ready using only your non-dominant hand, Lawson. I'd love to see you try brushing your teeth around the furry growth of your face. Ginny retorted. She grabbed the immobilizer from his hand and fit her arm into the sling. As she held the sling in place against her body, Mike reached around at tightened straps and applied Velcro to adjust the fit. The silence felt just a bit a little uncomfortable as his arms wrapped around her body and his hands slid across her skin to adjust the straps to her liking. The boat, the both worked hard, they both worked hard, to ignore the goosebumps that rose on her skin and the way his breath brushed against the side of her neck in a way that might not to be totally accidental. And then he looked at her arm, really looked at it, and he froze. Her, her upper arm was grotesquely swollen and bruised, black. That level of swelling and bruising wasn't normal. It was a pretty good sign that she had a serious injury, one that put next season in doubt. But Ginny hadn't told him anything yet, and he wanted her to volunteer the diagnosis. He hoped she trusted him enough to tell him herself, instead of letting him hear it from the front office like the rest of the team. Mike cleared his throat and stepped away. Take the meds now. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'll let you eat in my car. He, sh he shot her a look. You better not spill it in my baby. Ginny grabbed the bag of food and headed for the door. I'll take them when I get back. No, you'll take them now. Mike barked. Let it go, Lawson, she warned. His hand shot out and grabbed her arm, her left arm, to carefully pull her around to face him. Now, rookie. I'm not going into the clubhouse drugged up. Why? For a second, he thought she was going to punch him. Instead, she let out a sharp breath of exasperation. Because I work with a bunch of children, what if I fall asleep on the sofa in the middle of one of your never-ending speeches? I'll wake up with a goatee drawn in permanent sharpie or my hair six, inch six inches shorter. And God forbid I do or say something stupid. It would end up on video for all posterity to enjoy. She tried to control her voice, but bitterness slipped in anyways.
Mike's brow furrowed. Rookie, he began, only to stop. He ran his hand over his face before he tried again. Jesus, no, no, would cut your hair, no one would cut your hair or draw on your face. Can the drama, we're not children. So these aren't the same guys that were looking at stolen pictures of me? And weren't these the same guys that stole all the towels from the locker room so Sonny and Melky had to walk across the locker room naked while it was full of reporters? And I'm sure, I'm pretty sure, one of them was the jerk that nailed my cleats a few days ago. He snatched the pill bottles off the table and opened them, pouring out the appropriate amount of pills into his hand after reading the label. In three steps, he reached the water bottle she had left on the table and thrust it at her. I promised to keep the boys in line. No videos, no visible tattoos. At her scowl, a chuckle escaped him. Take your meds. You're mean when you're in pain. She balked momentarily before giving in and, and, ta and taking the handful of pills in one swallow. Oh my gosh, how much more? Just a little bit more. Okay. Um, do to do, do, where were we? Take your meds, you're mean when you're in pain. She muttered something under her breath and, and stomped towards the door, pausing only long enough to grab the bag of fast food. What was, what was that, Baker? She flashed a smile over her shoulder, the same one that she always wore whenever she thought she was funny. I can't repeat it, Lawson. I've always been taught to be kind to the elderly. And my words were definitely not kind. Be careful, rookie, or I'll tell the team about your pink dinosaur pajamas. He expected her to be angry and make some cutting response. Instead, her laughter followed her into the hallway. Be careful, old man, or I'll tell them I found you wearing them. And good luck explaining how you know anything about what I sleep in. Okay. I sent a group text to every contact in my phone saying that I was fine and explaining that my phone had broken. That should get everyone off my back. Lawson snorted in disbelief. Not even close, Baker. You're going to pay for this for a while, and the front office is going to have many words for you. Ginny rested her hand, her head on the headrest and groaned. They're probably regretting my existence on the Padres organization right now. Mike snorted but held his silence. Ginny glared at him. You could offer me reassurance here, Captain. Maybe give me one of your endless speeches. Why do you want me to lie to you, Baker? He kept his face straight and tone even. You're a jerk, you know that? I do my best to keep your ego in check. Her phone rang and she glanced at the screen. It's Oscar. I suppose I have to answer this, don't I? Now, Baker... With a resigned sigh, she answered her phone. Hi, Oscar. A pause, then. I know my phone broke. Another pause. No, I don't know where Amelia is. I'm sort of, well, maybe a little agentless right now. Mike's head whipped around to face her, and his jaw sh dropped in shock. A blaring horn pulled his attention back to the road before he could question her. Yes, it would be great if I could meet with the doctor. I'll go over now. Yes, I'll come to the park and bring the records as soon as I'm done. She paused to listen for a moment. No, it's okay. Mike's here. I'm sure he's okay with driving me. Uh, uh-huh. Okay, sure thing. See you soon, Oscar. The second her finger hit the end call button, Mike snapped. What do you mean Amelia isn't your agent? When did that happen? 
Instead of snapping back, Baker just closed her eyes and sighed. Can you drop me off at the hospital? The doctor has the results of the MRI and wants to talk to me. I don't want to take a cab or Uber. Not yet. Are you using the team doc or a specialist? A specialist, she muttered. It's in the same medical wing attached to the hospital. And what is the this physician's specialty? Mike asked, careful to keep his tone neutral. Ginny shook her head and looked out the window. When he repeated his question, she replied, elbow reconstruction, in a whisper. Mike's throat tightened at her answer. It wasn't the words that bothered him. It was the way she said them, heartbroken and maybe even a little afraid. It blew him away that the woman who showed no fear, no weakness, could suddenly sound so human. Suddenly she straightened and, and, the, and the baker he knew reappeared. Just drop me off in front of the hospital. I'll just meet you at the park when I'm done. I'll come with you. No, I don't need some someone to hold my hand. I can do this. Mike rolled his eyes so hard they nearly got stuck. Get over yourself, Baker. I'm stay I'll stay in the office wait, waiting area if it matters that much. You should be thanking me for this. When people see me, they'll forget all about you. When all the fans swarm me for photos and all the women are shoving their phone numbers in my pocket, you can walk into the office unnoticed. Her laugh made him smile in response. I'm so lucky to be in the presence of God's gift to women. Now you've finally, you're finally getting it, Baker. I am indeed a legend. She was laughing too hard to respond, and Mike could admit to feeling smug that he just made his rookie forget her fear. Twelve comments. Nightbird3 says, Oh, great beginning. I am eager to read more. Please update soon. Author responds, Thank you so much. I was worried no one would read it, let alone comment. I'm two-thirds of the way through chapter two already, so hopefully very soon. Mike Jin Sanity or Blah Blah Wawa says, That was really sweet and well-written. Mike was adorable. Author responds, Thank you. Tiger Lily said, Loving this so far. Can't wait to read more. Uh, Mike Shooter, Monk Shooter says, This is wonderful, especially for a first fic. I think Mike muscling his way into Ginny's recovery is just what she needs, especially when everyone else out of her life slash busy... What? With their own problems. I think you nailed his gruff way of showing he cares and Ginny's determination to do anything without help. I can't wait to see where you take this. Redhead Girl says, thank you for the compliment. Or, sorry, the author responds, thank you for the compliment. I can just see them trying to outstubborn each other in their determination to do things their own way. Hopefully it works out well in future chapters. Jinlaw3643 says, I love this. The banter is perfect. Nice job. Um, author responds, thank you. They have such a unique relationship that I just couldn't use regular normal people conversations. Tiffany5532 says, you know, for someone who said this was your first fanfic, you write super well. I would never have thought this was the first time writing because the flow, sentencing, and theme of the story just got so, just go so smoothly. I am rereading this story because... I love it so much, and I love the way you portray the characters in this. I fall in love with each chapter every time one comes out. Thank you, and I hope you keep writing because you are so good, especially when it comes to banter in the pitch fix. 
Then uh, author responds, oh my gosh, this just made my day. Thank you so much. I'll have another chapter out very soon. So, um, it is true. Um, if you were interested in this sort of thing, the author has 20 chapters to this story. Um, Jenny tells it like it is, uh, by Redhead Girl. 20 chapters to read. If this is something you, you really want to check out, you can do that. So, yes. Now, now that was, um, the wonderful world of Pitch. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, it got a little rocky there looking for, um, looking for fix that weren't so mature in nature. Um, apparently, uh, this little story about the first female, um, baseball player in history or whatever, um, apparently it really just gets people, gets people all riled up and they, they want to write, um, <laughs> some sort of, uh, mature fan fiction about it. Um, which to each their own, but I mean, for baseball, I, hmm. yeah, so, you know, thanks for going on this little journey with me and, um, yeah, that's it.